You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Um, so today what I want to talk to you is a particular experience that you and I encounter many times in our lives. Now, namely what that is, is the pursuit of the hidden God. And unfortunately, we launch ourselves into this pursuit, especially at a time when we suffer. Now, suffering today is quite immense in terms of, you know, the COVID and all of that. The anxieties are going up uh, in terms of cases and so forth. Um, I know that I suffer with anxiety myself. It's not easy when you enter into that particular domain. It is very difficult to navigate out yourself. I may even say it impossible. So this is what I want to talk to you today, where what happens when we tend to suffer, when we encounter unpleasant feelings such as that, um, be it the circumstances and whatnot. And um, yeah, we tend to feel that God is not there. So before I jump into it, let me just take you a few months back. And as many of you might recall, at the start of this pandemic, you know, the epidemiologists, the uh, government, and I'm putting plural here, and the scientists alike, they described the events as unprecedented. But truth to be told, what you and I haven't experienced in the last 18 months-ish, it's not really unprecedented times since humanity has suffered or encountered, um, um, I suppose, unprecedented times in the past. And if I can extrapolate that and extend it into our own lives, it is hardly a doubt that you and I have not suffered before or encountered unprecedented times. Now, I just want to be clear, my intention is not to de-emphasize the gravity, the seriousness of the current pandemic. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is that our lives as as whole are full of ups and downs. And, you know, we, we are called to navigate between thick and thin and everything in between. And how do we do that will greatly influence our spiritual outcome. It will greatly influence the spiritual well-being, so to speak, of those who are around us. And it's here that I want to draw your attention, just for us for, for, for a very brief, which is the core of what I'm talking today, is that when you and I arrive to death, as I'm calling it, as a, as, as, a, as a valley of despair, that when we descend down, and we have reasons for it, it's not that we're being unreasoned, but when we descend down into that valley, it is there that you and I start to pursue the truth that is underpinning the situation that you and I are in. It is there that we ask the question, why? Why is this happening? Is this because of my own actions? Is God angry at me? Oh, by the way, where is God in all of this? I thought he would be here. I thought he's gonna be talking to me, reaffirming me, holding my hand. Why am I not seeing him? Where has he gone? You see, in that particular moment, we start to pursue the truth that is underpinning your situation by asking the questions. You see, but the concept or the virtue or the idea or whatever word you want to use here of the truth or how you want to describe it, the truth is very, very, very interesting. Because even if the truth is nice, if I can put it, that pronoun there, and I say it's lovely, Everything is going to be okay. God is ever speaking to you, your situation, everything is okay. We tend to doubt. 
we leave the meetings, we leave the person we encounter who reinforms us that everything is going to be okay. But something, either with the reasoning in our own head, doesn't allow us to accept that truth. Now, <clears throat> you might not relate to that, but certainly you would relate to see how the truth is being handled today in the secular world, if I can put it that way. The truth has certainly been pushed into the background by those who oppose it. Or if they are unsuccessful in that, they will certainly try to redefine it. Now, thank you, Keith. Thank you, appreciate it. So, I just want to briefly touch on that. I'm not going to go into philosophical thinking, but I do want to say that the truth by its own definition is exclusive. And what that means is that anything that opposes the truth is automatically false. And that is powerful. When our Lord said, I tell you the truth, you can see the vibration it caused. You can see the turbulence it caused. Because automatically his statement is right, the rest of them are incorrect or so-called lies. Now you start understanding the gravity that he has put himself into. You see, when we cannot eliminate the truth, and even when we try it, the truth will always remain. As said by the Winston Churchill, the truth is incontrovertible, malice may attack it, ignorance may deride it, but in the end, there it is. Doesn't matter what you do, how we do it, the truth will emerge out. And when we try to redefine it, and we tend to do it, you see, again by the words of Winston Churchill, the truth is so precious that it should always be attended by the bodyguard of lies. We try to wrap it into something, something that it isn't, render it with the colors that isn't that not natural. You see, the truth is that in our suffering, the you might call it unprecedented, you might call it too much, but what happens is we tend to reason as to why the suffering has taken its, its existence in our own lives. And it's quite natural for you and me to deploy or exercise reasoning that we can navigate to the, the, the escape hatch to escape the flames of perceived doom. And when we fail, it is there and then that we ask the question, where are you? Where are you? I thought that you were going to be here with me. It's nothing more fitting than the story I'm about to read out. I think it's better that I just read it since it is heavy to digest the story. And I do apologize if it comes across like that, but I really want to pin this into your hearts that you understand the outcome of this message. And the story is told by, by Elie Wiesel, who was a survivor of the Auschwitz and Buchenwald concentration camps. Those who have read his novel, Night, will know what I'm talking about. It is hard gripping and it really takes everything within you to read it and to embrace it and to understand it. And the story goes, the prisoners were called to witness execution by hanging when the sun was settling on the horizon. At the sign of the head of the camp, the chairs were tipped over and a total silence throughout the camp took place. Where is God? Where is he? Someone behind me asked. For more than half an hour, the prisoners stayed there, struggling between life and death dying in a slow agony under our eyes, and we had to look him full in the face. He was still alive when I passed in front of him. His tongue was still red, his eyes were not yet glazed. I heard the same man asking, where is God now? And then I heard a voice within me answer him. Where is he? 
Here he is. He's hanging there on the gallows. Where is he? Here he is. He's hanging there on the gallows. Where is God in your triumphs? Right beside you. Where is God in your suffering? Right beside you. Yes, even there on the gallows. You see, dear brothers and sisters, it's nothing more paralyzing in our inner soul when the pain and suffering enters our mind, in our hearts, and we feel like the heavens has been wiped away with a sponge of doubt, and we find that our own hearts are staring in its own reflection in the mirror. You see, if the heart is full of pain, full of suffering, what do you think it sees in the mirror? Despair. No way out. Dear brothers and sisters, I cannot stress this more. Smash that mirror. Smash it. I'm reminded here of the story, and I'll try to be more articulate when I explain it. It is a story that has happened a few years ago by this rally driver. Those who are not into motorsport might not completely relate to it, but you certainly will relate to the outcome of that story and the meaning of it. Namely, that this person, Mark Higgins, was attending the race on the Isle of Man with his own car. The car is a sports car. He you know, took off on the, on the racetrack. Well, it's not a racetrack. It's literally an ordinary road where you're going extremely high speeds and you're doing it between literally houses and so forth, you know, little boring roads type of thing, you know. Nonetheless, as he's belting down the road at the full speed, the car starts to wobble just when he's exiting one of the corners at a high speed. And you might think to yourself, you know, he is going to crash, and you're right. The camera on the outside revealed that people are jumping away from the road and hiding behind the walls and whatnot because they have written him off. There's the camera as well on top of the bonnet, I believe, and you can see that the car at one moment is pointing to the houses at the left, and another moment is pointing at the houses at the right. Nonetheless, he's lucky enough, gets the control of the car, and he continues down the track. Not much to the story, but this is the point what I'm trying to make here. The point was when he revealed in the interview afterwards, where he said, if I looked any of those houses that the car was pointing at when it was wobbling on the road at 170 miles per hour, that's the direction I would go. It took everything within him in that drama when it was unfolding, when the car, when the tire, the tire was screeching, when the people are running away, he's goner, where you should be praying that the roll cage will do its job. He had to keep his eyes on the road as to whatever the car was pointing. Keep the eyes on the road. Why? There is a salvation. There is the way out. Not in those houses. Dear brothers and sisters, let me just go back very quickly to our eyes staring in its own mirror in reflection. In its own reflection. Make sure that your eyes are not staring into the cause, into the pain to it's causing you, but to turn the eyes to him yeah. who's the author of life. Today the philosophy and the clinical psychologists are arguing that there might not be hierarchies in our worlds and societies and so forth. However, even though we observe hierarchies across you know, the, the animal kingdom, the, the plants and whatnot, even the Amazon the forest, we can see the hierarchy. Where I'm going with that, you have to have your hierarchy right. It's God, the first and foremost and author of your salvation. Hallelujah. That's where you're aiming at. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians, we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on the things cannot be seen. For the things we'll see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You see, and I just want to return very quickly to the pursuit of the truth underpinning your situation. The reason alone, and listen to me very careful, the reason alone, or the ability to reason, will not get you there, will not get you to fix your gaze on the things that cannot be seen. That's where your salvation lies. Focus on the things in heaven and everything else will be added to you. But the reason alone will not get you there. Why? Because when you and I pursue the truth, you have to pursue it by acknowledging the person of Jesus Christ. You might have atheistic or atheistic beliefs. Regardless, you have to acknowledge the body, sorry, the lives of the Jesus Christ in your pursuit of the truth. The reason and the faith are required to work together in a tandem. If you start fragmenting that below that line, you'll end up with the reason alone or you're gonna end up with the faith alone. And you will pay the cost for that. It's imperative that you put them together. I see it the way riding a horse. Do not lean too much left. Do not lean too much right. Stay on the horse. Why? Because there are many angles at which you can fall. There is only one angle that you can stand. There are many angles at which you can fall. There is only one angle that you can stand. Stay on the horse. Do not lean too much to your reason. Do not lean everything to the faith. Why? What did Paul said? The faith without work is? Dead. 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 The faith is your fuel to propel the works, to propel your reason. That's what the faith is. It's your connection to the ultimate reality depicted in life.